My guest on today's show is the scientist and author David Britton. He has a PhD in astrophysics, and he wrote the 1998 book, The Transparent Society on the Future of Privacy Policy. But he is best known as the author of several prize-winning science fiction novels, including The Postman, which was later made into a film starring Kevin Costner. We will get into all of this over the course of our show today. David, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Oh, sure thing. You guys have uh, have a smart group. Oh, well, appreciate that as well. Now, you're probably best known uh, as a uh, science fiction writer, as I said in the introduction. But sort of why I was thinking that you might make a great, uh, certainly you make a great guess for that reason. But also, uh, I've been thinking a lot about the issue, uh, since I read a lot about technology policy, the issue of privacy not quite sure what I should be thinking about it or, you know, where it should go policy-wise. And then I remember that you had written a book about privacy. So I, I know that's probably in sometime in the late 90s called The Transparent Society that I thought would be sort of uh, newly relevant to where, we, uh, where we're at, where you looked at the idea of the ch- kind of the choices we need to make uh, when it comes to privacy. I wonder if you just start out by talking about sort of what you were thinking back then when you wrote that book and sort of what your sort of initial conclusions were. Well, I've been asked recently to um, do a 20th anniversary edition, and, ah. uh, and I flipped through the book, and I found almost nothing that needs revising, uh, unfortunately. I keep getting emails about page 206, which is where uh, in 97 I, I, I talk about, you know, what the federal authorities might what powers they might ask for if uh, for example um, terrorists ever brought down both world world trade center towers and i said that specifically right. and so people call that a twilight zone moment um, <laughs> but but in fact there had been an effort, an attempt to bring down the towers um, yes. a couple of years earlier so it's not so much psychic but what was prescient was um, that I pretty much dis- uh, described in detail um, the, what would become the Patriot Act. Lately, there's been a lot more discussion of um, page 160. I get P160 uh, messages because uh, that chapter discusses you know, how cell phone cameras are equalizing the playing field to some degree in um, for our racial minorities and uh, that was also predicted in my novel earth so the topic uh, the topic keeps coming up and and you know I, I i raise you know i try to raise things that people don't notice uh, because the news media is addicted to a particular type of of narrative it's not that they're deep state it's not that they're uh, dishonest but they have reflexes to follow certain pathways, and it leads us down. Not uh, it, it's not wrong to be concerned that we're heading towards Big Brother. Uh, this is the great contribution of science fiction, is what's called the self-preventing prophecy, and the greatest of them all was uh, George Orwell's 1984, and uh, almost all Americans think that they are brave defenders of freedom against some. Uh, nefarious group that is trying to become Big Brother. We're all heroes of our own stories. Yes, right. And the uh, the difference primarily is that on the left, you think that uh, uh, the the danger is arising from 
conniving aristocrats and faceless corporations. On the on the right, uh, you think it's from um, snooty academics and faceless government bureaucrats. Uh, and and if you put it that way, the answer is duh. You're both right. Uh, cheaters. Six thousand years of human history show us that cheaters will try to gather power to cheat from any direction that's left unguarded. And in, under ideal circumstances, uh, uh, a moderate person of the left is says to a moderate person of the right, "I'm more concerned about these elites. You guard." against my elites will guard each other's backs. Uh, but that's that comity, that, that, that willingness to accept the other side might possibly have a point has been the principal thing that the enemies of freedom have been targeting. The reasonableness, the American gen genius at pragmatic negotiation, a, a lost art called politics. So sicking us at each other's throats has been a major uh, a major goal, um, but but the thing about transparency is that no. Well, when you wrote the book, when you wrote the book in the nineties, the, the concern was sort was sort of you know cameras everywhere, cameras on street corners, cameras on uh, you know early drones that we had this sort of surveillance, this video surveillance society. Uh, yeah, and and I had just lived in London. So I saw it. I saw it starting. As a matter of fact, a little bit of guilt admission here. I was I was with Hughes Aircraft, sort of peripherally helping while they developed the CCD. So, you know, uh, I'm there. I, I'm back home. I'm in the 90s, and I'm constantly being invited to these gatherings where these what are called cypherpunks are um, declaring that uh, freedom will be saved forever if we just use secret codes. And they're still out there. They're still uh, saying all we need is encryption and uh, and everything will be wonderful. Protect and hide your data. That's right. And, and what I point out is that these guys know absolutely no human history. Going back to Hammurabi, 4,000 years there have been cat and mouse games between secret police and resistance. Uh, brave resistance heroes fighting for liberty. And of the dozen methods used by secret police for 4,000 years, secret codes might hamper the police, the secret police, in three of those dozen methods. So they aren't even thinking about the big context, nor do they think about what it is that got us our freedom. How is it that we got the freedom that is enabling us to do all this shouting about freedom? Uh, and it turns out that 99% of the methodologies that actually functionally gave us freedom and some privacy – uh, and and people misunderstand. You know, I I don't think I love privacy. I I I think that we should have privacy. We'll want privacy as a free and sovereign and powerful citizenry. We'll demand some privacy. But the only way we're ever going to have it is the way we already got it. And it's the last thing that our heroes of of freedom and privacy ever recommend. And that is to look back at power. It's, it's not hiding from power. Hiding never worked. It never worked. And it never will. And, and here's, here's the, here's so, the, the so weird thing. So making power as transparent 
as what they would make our lives. Exactly. And and that is exactly what we've increasingly done for the last 250 years. Uh, and we're increasing it. Uh, 2013 was the best year for civil liberties in the United States in this century so far. And the news media barely covered it at all because it didn't fit into the narrative of gloom. What happened then? Well, what happened then was that that year, the Obama administration and the courts both um, held that it is a universal right of citizens uh, to, uh, if they aren't interfering, to record their interactions in public spaces with police. And and the the Trumps the the Trumpites and uh, the GOP are trying hard to restrict this. The um, the federal district court they most control in Missouri uh, just just tried to uh, cancel this right, and it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Now four different four other district courts have have reinforced it, but there is no more important a liberty. Than, than, than the power to uh, exculpate yourself from an accusation of a crime. And the people who are supporting this right to record our interactions with police, they cite the First Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, uh, the Fourteenth Amendment. These are obvious. There's, now they're citing the Second Amendment. And I think that's very clever because, you know, there's nothing that is the right to bear arms more important than a camera, because the camera is is doesn't threat threaten legitimate state power, but boy does it threaten illegitimate state power. But the the amendment that truly is never used to support it, which is the under most underrated amendment in the Bill of Rights, is the sixth, uh, and it's one of the most important, and it's the one that says that if you are accused of a crime you have a right to prove your innocence. And you have that right to prove your innocence by grabbing witnesses by the collar and demanding that they testify. And that includes cameras. Uh, That includes the ability to say, I didn't do this and here's proof. And there's nothing more connected with that. Basic, basic right. Because as long as we have that, then the state can't throw you in prison on the basis of a lie. And that's what they've done for 4,000 years. That's what they're doing now in, 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 in all over the world in the mafia states. And that's so, that, what, so, that, so that's the case of sort of, again, sort of turning surveillance around as a way of enabling freedom. But it, it seems to me that the, the concerns that a lot of people have are especially about private companies, that private companies will have will have their information that private companies will, whether it's whether it's their actual their data from their cell phones or whether it's facial recognition. Uh, what was really, I think, um, kind of, you know, opened my eyes. Cause I, I'm someone who's very excited about autonomous vehicles. And I would go on Twitter and I would, you know, write about, you know, it's going to save all these lives and hopefully they're just around the corner and it's going to transform <laughs> cities and all that. And what I hear from people is then, then you know, then, you're going to ban us from cars, and I'd like driving my car, and a, a company's going to know where I'm at, and the government will know where I'm at, and all of a sudden we're in, you guessed it, we're in 1984, and I'll have no, I'll have no privacy. We better not have autonomous cars. And this is where everybody has the right instinct. 
I, I, you know, the, the reflex to say David Brin is against privacy and it doesn't worry about Big Brother and wants to trust Big Brother is insane. Uh, I am more paranoid about this than anybody. I approve I, uh, of people sending money to the uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation and the ACLU. I send them money. People are right to be worried, um, but they always leap to the wrong impression of what to do about it. It is not important what the, the elites know about you because you're not going to stop them from knowing about you. It's just not going to happen. Uh, this whole business, ban facial recognition software when it can go it be embedded into anything, uh, ban tracking when even when they wipe your identity off of the metadata, they still can connect somebody somebody left this house right somebody arrived at this workplace somebody arrived at noon at this motel uh, they're, they're going to be able to metadata this to death and the fundamental is that you are not going to have your life ruined by what elites know about you and you're not going to stop them from knowing about you what could ruin your life is what elites can do to you and there is only one way to prevent them from doing bad things to you and that is by stripping them naked and putting the fear of god in them and saying if you harm me i am this mighty sovereign being called a citizen and i will I will open you your guts up and show them to the world. Now, the, the answer I get from people is, how can you equilibrate the, the, the power of the mighty? Yeah. How, how are you doing that to Google? How are you doing that to Facebook? Two companies where people are very worried uh, about the information they have, even if at the moment it's mostly being used to target you know, ads toward them. People still seem extraordinarily concerned. Ooh, I'm so scared! You're going to target an ad at me. Uh, <laughs> well, people that, say, that, that certainly certainly do seem to me. They seem to be very worried about that. And and God bless them. I'm glad to live in a culture in which that's the worst thing they can do to you. But the fact of the matter is that you know, uh, look, Hollywood has portrayed all four of those power centers: um, uh, rich people, uh, faceless corporations, mostly worried about by people left of center. Um, academics and, 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 and innovators and, and secretive scientists and all the Michael Crichton movies, uh, government agencies gone rogue. Hollywood's got us all tuned to, with suspicion of authority. It's the Central America, it's Central U.S. American Western myth, mythology, and it's fine. I was raised under it. I totally agree with it. I love such things, but we have to be able to parse a where the real harm is going to be, and B, how we can prevent it. And the uh, even, even in a movie like The Circle, which is blatant propaganda uh, and, and basically targeted against me, there are signs of that in many places in both the novel and the movie, the story rails against people who favor transparency and openness by doing huge exaggerations. But then at the end of the movie, what's the solution? Shining transparency and openness on the mighty. So, so, so does that mean just knowing 
what what you know what data like Facebook or Google or any of these other big companies, knowing what data they're taking from you, knowing exactly how they're going to use it, giving you sort of greater control over it. Is that the path or? Uh, well, well, it it is to some degree. The um, the main thing about it is that the question of reciprocality of evenness of power mm-hmm. is is one of the best ones that people raise. How if I if everybody has the right to see and hold each other accountable, government agencies and the rich and um, and corporations are going to be better at it than I am, and that's completely right. That is absolutely right, and that is why we had the greatest invention of the West in the second half of the 20th century was what's called the NGO, the non-governmental organization. And it's 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 charity time right now. It's the end of the year. You should be doing your charities, and uh, among them should be um, those that fight for a better world that you want. If you're a member, I'm a member of three environmental organizations. They take my money every year and then pool it with several million others. And then the Sierra Club can hire the best scientists and lawyers on a par with the lawyers hired by Exxon. Mm-hmm. So you're suggesting we should pool our data? Well, I'm not. Well, that's a separate matter. But 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 yes, what I'm saying is you start by pooling your money. You, you join the Electronic Frontier Foundation, you join the ACLU, and even though I disagree with their recomm- some of their recommendations, they are in the good fight. And they are there trying to make equalize the, the battle over your, uh, over your rights. Mm-hmm. So that's where we start. Now, you say pool our data. Uh, Tim Berners-Lee is working on something called SOLID which would let people um, uh, keep their data cached in um, more secure uh, capsules. Uh, I don't agree. I don't think that could possibly work, but at least it's an attempt. All right. May I hear about data banks where your, you know, your, your data would be sort of stored and then maybe perhaps using you know, models of your behavior and your likes and dislikes, then it would interact with these companies and be able to exchange data for either money or I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm still not entirely sure how these data banks work, but some things like that keep getting mentioned. Yes. Well, I think Jaron Lanier had the best yeah, idea, yeah. and that is that um, we do not own our information. That, it, Think about it. That is insane. You are saying, I have the right to um, tell someone else you may not know something. Well, that is exactly what the elites and the powerful want you want as the law, because they can take advantage of it better better than we can, um, and they can restrict then restrict what we're allowed to know. Uh, but what Jaron Lanier says is, is if the information about us can move around, but we uh, own an, a continuing interest in that information. We get to be told, we get a feedback blip every time somebody uses it so that we can do informatics on that and know who owns, owes us micro royalties for the use of our, of our, uh, of our information. Now you're starting to talk about something that could be enforceable and that doesn't declare no one else may know something. But it does say, uh, I'm real. I exist, 
and my information is something that I should benefit from before anyone else benefits from it. Uh, that that's enforceable. That's something that could happen. So again, I'll talk to people, and they again they seem sort of worried at the very idea that and maybe this is you know tends to be people who are a little bit older, but they tend to be worried that that very idea that their that their information is out there, that they're worried that someone out there has their name and email address, which to me doesn't seem like a particularly significant uh, level of information, but they're 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 worried about that. Um, and you're saying, no, you know, that you shouldn't, you shouldn't worry about that. That's fine that that's out there. You just need to have your information, whether it's that or, you know, a much more sort of a richer portfolio of information that people, uh, that you'll have as again, kind of a continuing interest in how that you'll understand how that's being used, where it's being used and perhaps being able to profit from it. Well, yes, in the long run, but there's something more important than that. And that is, the the major distinction is it's less important what others, especially elites, right. know about right. you than what they can do to you. Now, how can we prevent them from doing bad things to you? You know, there's a there's a cliche that's out there that that the, the paladins of, of of secrecy and privacy say, and that is that uh, that why are you trying to hide your information? Do you have something to hide? The only reason you would want to hide your information is if you're doing something wrong. Right. If you're not doing anything wrong, then you have nothing to hide. And that is absolutely true that that is the rationalization that elites, especially the mighty and governments and mafias and all of that, will use against privacy. However, it's a little hard for them to use it if their data if, if anybody who wants power over you, whether it's a CEO or a politician, uh, must also be stripped naked, now we've turned that notion against them. If you, what, what do you have to hide? And of course, somebody's tax returns uh, come into mind. Um, the, 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 point is, the point is that there is a basic truth to that nasty Orwellian aphorism. Mm -hmm. And that is that in the future world, if most of the people know most of what's going on most of the time, then, uh, then, then you should not be so much harmed by what people know about you than what they can do about it. Now, let me turn that right around and tell you that there is an extremely dangerous uh, exception to what I just said, and that is um, social social credit, which they are spreading in China. Right. I was and, hoping you were going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, look, here's the deal. For 200 years, we have increasingly uh, applied accountability to the mighty. Security is an exchange commission, insists on revelations from corporations, and we have got the Freedom of Information Act and the right to shine uh, cameras at, at the police in public. Um, if we have a transparent world, then we won't get Big Brother. We won't get that failure mode. Uh, you can't have Big Brother if the telescreen shines on Big Brother and the party officials. Uh, even if they have start out with all the guns, uh, it's just not going to be in the, the same Orwellian world. But there's a second order effect. What if we all know what's going on and 
51% of the population decides to be oppressive, conformity-enforcing prudes. And legally and openly, with their 51% majority, pass laws that, are, that, that, that we find oppressive. Well, that's a, that's a secondary failure mode. That's a really awful one, and it's portrayed in Kurt Vonnegut's wonderful short story, Harrison Bergeron. What do you do about that secondary failure mode? Because that is exactly the secondary failure mode that the Chinese are trying for with their social credit system. And uh, Charlie Booker had a um, wonderful uh, depiction of this in his series Black Mirror, a, an episode called uh, Downfall or, or uh, some, something like that. The point is that there you must have a secondary defense, and that is our love of eccentricity. And if you take a look at the movies that you watch these days, suspicion of authority is the principal underlying meme uh, even if it's a bossy or pushy mother-in-law, there's some authority figure that the um, that the protagonist has to resist. But other themes are tolerance, diversity, and appreciation of eccentricity. Uh, very often at the beginning of a film, the audience bonds with the principal character by witnessing that principal character engaging in some kind of eccentric activity. And it doesn't have to be the eccentricity that the audience member has. Just the fact that they are being different in some way. Well, I mean, I think you could argue that America has never been more open uh, to eccentricity than it is right now. Well, exactly. There's, there's, there, 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 are, there are more hobbies, more weird hobbies than ever before. And, and but so the, here's the basic how many, thing. how many adults 20 years ago would say they like superhero movies? Well, probably yeah. a lot fewer than today. Exactly. And so the fundamental defense against social credit oppression by a conformist 51% is that reflex. It's the reflex that says, Mayab, mind your own business or leave me alone, limo. Um, if we have transparency and it prevents Big Brother by shining light on the mighty, that gets rid of the worst oppression. But the second worst oppression, oppression by the majority, people legitimately and reflexively fear. And here's where they get surprised. I fear it more than anybody. So if we have a transparent world, we have... The burden doesn't come off us. We have to continue to fight for a tolerant and diverse and eccentric and accepting world. If that's the case, then the Chinese Politburo will fail with its social credit system. Uh, people will gain social credit by being quirky. Let me, we, we, we're almost out of time. So I, I want to, there's like, I have like three huge questions I want to ask, but I'm only going to be able to ask the one. And so let me, so let me ask you this. So I, when I go out, I'll, I'll talk to different audiences and there's a lot of negativity about technology in the future. It's AI is going to take all the jobs or it's going to kill us. Uh, or, or we're going to have a social credit system in this country. We're going to have this terrible surveillance society. Or um, we're going to have these genetic advances, but then they're going to all force. They're going to force all of us to to use them on our children. It's 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 sort of a non-stop sort of march of 
how all this stuff is going to go wrong. And I don't see the sort of anticipation of the future and the ways technology can help in that. And I'm like, and I, I think to myself, what is the story? What is the positive story of the future that I can tell people to say that it's, it's going to be okay and we can actually have much richer, fuller lives in the future than in the past? Is there? That's a heck of a question to end on. But well, where, spectac- where, do I, where, where do I begin to do that? It's a spectacularly important question. And the question is, how do you strike a balance? Because right now there are powers in the world, including a rising mafia oligarchy around the world, who benefit from uh, gloom and and a failure of our confidence. Now, this does not mean we should go to the opposite extreme of being Pollyannas. Um, there's a reason why our ancestors that, who saw a rustle in the, in the foliage um, th- uh, thought 75% that could be a lion and 25% that could be something I could go and eat uh, because we're all descended from the ones who worry. And there's plenty to worry about. But it, worry without confidence um, is insanity. It just, it just leads to dour, gro- growling cynicism, which many of your listeners are addicted to right now, I'm afraid, because we all are. The, the question is, can we gain confidence from the pure fact that we've done extremely well for the last 50 years? Um, we've, we've dealt very, very well with at least 70% of the problems that we've come up with. Uh, and confidence that we can do more is the missing ingredient. Uh, you can find more confidence uh, from Peter Diamandis's uh, book, Abundance, uh, from Steven Pinker's book, The Better Angels of Our Nature. And these are, guys are those not are saying – Those are excellent choices. Those are excellent they're, they're, selections. These guys are not saying be complacent. They're saying look at what we've accomplished so that you can be confident enough to save all our lives by doing more. Uh, I am also an example of that, and us boomers are going to get out of the way eventually, and everything will be much better once we are, and especially when one of the greatest movies that ever was called Network, when Ah, the boomer anthem finally starts to fade. Uh, A horrible, horrible message. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going Mm -hmm. to take it anymore. We have just finished... the greatest year in space uh, in this century so far, and almost nobody is aware of it. Uh, And we should be screaming from the rooftops, I'm as proud as hell, and nobody's going to stop us. Uh, And on that note, I guess... uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. My guest today has been David Brin. David, thanks for coming on the podcast. Sure thing. And, and, and go out there, everybody. Join NGOs. It's the end of the year. Max out your charities and include those NGOs that are, that are fighting for what you want fought for. City Sky Gallery.